Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Today, we are joined by John King. Now, he released his debut album earlier this year, Always Gonna Be, but it is far from the first music he has ever released. He arrived in Nashville in about 2011 and has been releasing music and touring extensively ever since there, building a career in country music. He has had a number one as a songwriter. He has played the Opry. He has his debut album and everything has been growing year over year since arriving in Nashville. Now, we had a chance to talk to him about some of the influential people that have guided his journey, some of the events that have led to this moment, including his first band called Vinyl and everything in between. So please enjoy our conversation with John King. You had some tours that you did this year, finally, and I know that you brought your family on the road with you for a bit of it anyways. And I was wondering if that just worked out or if that was something you made happen because it was a little more difficult to head out on the road this time around. Yeah, man. No, I mean, you know, even before I really, I love taking my family out with me. It just turns it, you know, it's like turning a work trip into a, a little bit of a family vacation. And you know, we get some downtime, you know, and this this year uh, we had a big run out west, man. It was like, you know, Montana and Wyoming and Colorado. And it's these beautiful parts of the country that, you know, my wife had never seen and my daughter had never seen. I was like, you know what? Like we've been cooped up for a year and a half, you know, let's uh, <laughs> make the best of it and turn it into a, a vacation. So, yeah, man, we pulled the whole caravan. We had like our camper with us and we had our bus with us and our all our gear. So it was uh, it was really fun, man. And, you know, my brother plays drums for me. So, um, you know, him getting to hang out with my daughter and be Uncle Andrew for a little bit instead of just drummer. Like it was cool, man. It, it gave the whole tour a different feel. It gave it like this um, like family vacation vibe. And it was it was really cool, man. It was like memories, you know, big memories for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. And I with the trailer, you did a lot of that in 2020, a lot of camping. And you had said that uh, you got your first truck since high school, I believe in 2020. Then you hitched the trailer up to it. And I was going to ask in those moments when you're finally getting that truck when you're finally getting that camper you know you you have those professional moments that make you think oh man look at where I am but you know when you have those bigger moments personally do you stop and think about wow look at where I am I'm finally getting this truck oh yeah man I mean shoot I'm I'm just like a simple country boy from Georgia man so to you know coming up working like construction jobs and manual labor like anytime you know uh that i can get like a nice something shiny and new for my family like we're so grateful for it's the little victories right like it's not just like the number one songs it's not just the uh you know the big tours and the accolades it's uh it's things like that it's like the memories that are made and like yeah a new truck like for you know for a good old boy like me is like you know a really awesome thing to like check off the bucket list and uh it's been cool man like you know, obviously touring all these years, uh, being on the road all these years, having some time with the family to really kind of like refocus and reprioritize has been huge for me. And it's it's not only affected me personally, but also uh, creatively. Like it's really inspired like this new music, this whole new record has really been inspired like from this past year, like just really 
having all this extra time with my family. So it's been, uh, it's definitely been a, a really a rewarding time for me to, to get that extra family time. Your family was big on camping when you were young. And so yeah. <laughs> when you started heading out with your family last year, was there memories that came flooding back that you sort of forgot about that were kind of triggered by getting back out there and doing more camping? Oh yeah, man. It's nostalgia. Like, right. Like my dad raised us in the outdoors and camping and, you know, on the lake and fishing. And so it's like, you know, that triggers all those memories of my childhood and uh, some of my favorite moments. And it's cool to think like you're passing that down to your kid, you know, into the next generation. And um, I think there's never been a time more important than now to, to get our kids outside and like get out there and like, and introduce them to the, to wildlife and to the outdoors, because as you know, it's like such a tech centric world. And that's a great thing. You know, I mean, the past year it's kept, it's kept us all connected, but it can also yeah. kind of pull you into this, into this tunnel, you know, to where you're just in front of a screen all the time. And I'm guilty of it, you know, even more than anybody else. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a priority in our family to really keep our kids, you know, connected with the outdoors. And uh, it's just a great place, man. Like I, I can think of, most of the great memories in my life have happened, you know, in a hunting stand or fishing or, you know, camping or, uh, and so I really want my daughter to, to have those same experiences. That's awesome. And around the campfire, when you were young, were your parents musical? Were they the campfire sing-along type of folk? <laughs> Man, not really. No, my parents were, it's so funny. I don't even know how I got into this career because no one in my family, you know, really has uh, a whole lot of musical uh, ability. I mean, my mom played some piano in the church choir, like, and she was probably the closest thing to a musician that I knew until I was in middle school, you know, and, and on up into high school. But uh, she taught me a few chords and my parents were more just music fans and music lovers. And that really rubbed off on me more than anything. I, I was a student of music before I ever knew how to do anything. I, you know, I got my first guitar and I was 10 or 11 because my mom knew that I had such a passion for these songs. And I was like uh, an anthologist, uh, you know, I could like tell you what song was on what record by what band. And like, I just had this Rolodex in my brain of, of bands and artists. And so uh, I was like, man, around 10 or 11, I was like, you know, I think I'm gonna like try to learn to play something. It'd be cool to create my own songs, to be able to take these songs and these chords and these patterns and say what I want to say. And so I really started writing songs around 12 or 13 and it was off to the races from there, man. I just <laughs> fell in love with like the creative freedom to be able to make my own music, you know? Right. And I saw a photo on your Instagram. I think your brother probably would have been about three or four. And you mentioned he plays drums in your band and he was about three or four and it looked like he got a little mini drum set for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And so was he more focused on music at a young age and wanting to learn instruments and wanting to bang around on the drums than maybe you were? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it was funny. He got like his little Mickey Mouse set of drums and I had like a little just kind of cheap uh, kids guitar and we would like have these jam sessions in our living room. None of us knew what we were doing. And as we got older, I wanted to play drums because I thought, man, like he makes that look like so much fun. So I got a drum set and he got a guitar. Uh, okay. And then we were like, you know, at that time I was 10 or 11 and he was, you know, six or seven. And um I'll be dang, he got so good at the drums that I was like, man, I'm just going to have to like give up. Like I can't be a drum. He's going to be the drummer. I got to find something else. So then I started playing guitar and writing songs and, and we kind of like picked our paths that way. But 
I originally thought being a, a drummer sounded like a lot of fun because you could like bang on stuff really loud, but yeah. he was better than me. So I had to surrender that. <laughs> That's awesome. And you talk about not many people in your family being musical, but I wanted to ask about the influence of your grandfather, Sam, better known as yeah. Pop. I wanted to learn the influence that he's had on you for just becoming the person that, that you are. Maybe not the musician, but just the person. Oh man, yeah, you uh, you hit the nail on the head there. I, I have been so blessed to have amazing role models, you know, an amazing family, just a support system uh, my whole life, and um, I know how rare that can be. So I, I try not to ever take that for granted. But yeah, my grandpa, man, he is uh, he's a hardworking man. He, you know, talking about a guy who worked four jobs at one period would would sleep two or three hours a night and get up uh, before the sun came up and and feed the cows and do his farm work. Then he'd go off and work a nine to five job. And then you'd come back and work a night job and would take shifts on the weekend. I mean, he just, he really uh, instilled that, um, that work ethic in me. And I think he's the one who uh, really motivated me that if, Hey, if you're going to chase a dream, you better be ready to put everything you have in it. Like it's not, you're not going to be on the clock. Like it's nonstop. And, um, and that, that really rang true to me. And around high school, you know, when I started thinking about careers, started thinking about college, um, I knew what I wanted to do. And, and he was the one that really kind of set me down and was like, I don't think you understand like what you're signing up for. Like, it's not, it's not going to be all fun, you know, it's, and, and he's so true. It was so true, man. I mean, it's been a lot of late nights. It's been a lot of no sleep driving from town to town, you know, working nonstop and a lot of things people, you know, don't even really understand that we do, you know, that kind of go on behind the scenes. But it's been worth it, man, to, to be able to do something you love. And so, yeah, uh, Pop Pop really uh, put that in me and and, and was a, a big, big source of my work ethic, I think. And in high school, I wanted to ask about your first band. Now, was it vinyl? Was that the name <laughs> yeah. of it? Oh, man, you, you've been digging in deep on the research, dude. This is maybe the first interview I've ever had where a vinyl has come up. You're talking about some memories right there, man. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. What, what type of memories come back for you when thinking about that time of your life? Oh, man, the best. I mean, really fun. It, you know, it was just me and a couple buddies, you know, that uh, started a little garage band. And um, it was kind of like, uh, I don't know, it was like uh, Rock Band 101 because we were trying to figure out uh, number one, how to play our instruments because we weren't very good at them yet. You know, we had just kind of started. You know, we were writing our own songs, and then we started building a little fan base, and we're touring around Georgia. And so it was, it was really cool. Like it was like a, it was a real test, um, you know, for me, and kind of like a little trial run of how things would go later on in a bigger scale. But um, the songs, you know, listening back, were pretty cool. I mean, it was like southern rock uh, and country. I mean, it was kind of like we didn't know it was country, but. I say that band is kind of what pushed me into really coming to Nashville and being a country artist because at that time, like Eric Church had just come along, uh, Jason Aldean, and like these guys were opening up the lanes a little bit to where you didn't have to just be like straight, like honky tonk 90s country, which I love right. that stuff. But, you know, I had a lot more like rock influence in my stuff. And um, so, uh, yeah, vinyl was kind of like an introductory into that. And it really like it really gave me confidence too, like as a songwriter, because when you start selling out little 50 person, 100 person club, 200 person club, it's like, OK, like I think people kind of like what we're doing. And uh, and that's what made me really want to chase it down and go to college and and uh, and really try to like come out of college, go to Nashville and do it for real. 
and you had a guitar in that band. So you were able to work in guitar music to your music then. So is there ever a chance of working in a guitar to any of your music moving forward? Oh man, you know the guitar has got to come back one day. Now that you've mentioned it, I, I, I've forgotten that, uh, yeah, we did used to break out. I mean, our keyboard player, it's so funny, uh, John Burke, the, the keyboard player that we had went on to be a Grammy-nominated composer. I mean, he's oh, wow. an amazing musician. Yeah, he's amazing. But uh, that was more for stage show than anything. But and it worked. It always got the crowd going. <laughs> that is awesome. And you talk about the hard work that pop instilled within you. And I wanted to talk about sort of the first dream that I think you might've had that you worked towards. And that was owning a boat. You had the blue <laughs> boat that you bought. And I read that basically you worked any job you could to save up the money to buy that boat. And so I wanted to ask you just that experience, that hard work, and then having that boat for those years, I believe you sold it in 20. 15. What influence does that have on you now and your songwriting? Just those types of experiences as you're growing up. Oh man, dude, that was the best 1200 bucks I ever spent in my life. And I mean, I grinded for summers to save up that 1200 bucks. And, uh, you know, like my parents were kind of encouraging me to save it and like, you don't need a boat. And like, but I just went for it, man. I was like, I don't splurge often. I'm not the kind of person to really like buy, you know, uh, like lavish things, but that was like one thing I had to have. I just knew I had to have it. And um, I found this old 73 Sportmaster, like the kind of like an ugly looking boat, like very old school, but like also kind of cool. And me and my friends, man, had, and my wife, at, you know, who was my girlfriend at the time in high school, like we had some of the best uh, times on that thing, just riding around the lake and uh, spending summers down in Georgia. So yeah, I wouldn't trade those memories for uh, for twelve million bucks, much less twelve hundred. And uh, and when I sold it, man, it was it was a hard day. I mean, there were so many, you know how it is. You get attached to uh, you know things like that. I always think about like that Alan Jackson song, Drive. You know, like right. just an old plow boat. Like the, that's so true. And um, and things like that carry into my songwriting and to my creativity, like to this day. Because uh, without those memories, man, like what else is it? Those are the best things to, to write about, you know, because people identify with that. And you talked about your wife meeting her in high school. You've known her ever since then. When what were you guys 15 or so yeah. when you met? Yeah, 15. And so what has that experience been like in having her here for the entire journey and not necessarily bringing someone into a relationship when you're already this hardworking musician and maybe they don't realize what it takes? She knows exactly what this journey has been. So how important has that been for you and that support? Oh, it's oh, she's she's my rock, man. I mean, you know, I just don't know where I would be. It's um, this career is, you know, as you know, is a very. Um, man, it's risky. It's it. You work nonstop. It's you have to have that support system. And for me to have a wife who's been by my side since, you know, we knew we were going to do this in high school. Like this is what I wanted to do. And um, and she's never once questioned me. She stood by me and and done nothing but like motivate me and lift me up. So it's been it's been amazing to have that. I, I don't think I would be here without that. I, I think I would have given up long ago. <laughs> yeah. And you wrote together, like when you first met, right? Because didn't you record a song last year in quarantine that you and her had written together when you were like 15? Well, yeah, well, she, um, you know, she wouldn't, you know, consider herself a writer. She wouldn't say that, but she really is. I mean, she inspires me, you know, with little lines here and there, or ideas or concepts. Like she really does have a great radar for like what, 
um, what makes a great song and what makes a bad song. <laughs> and she, that's why she's always the first one I play songs for, because I know I'm going to get like an honest, you know, honest response, you know, and, and I can always trust her like to tell me what she likes, what she doesn't. And, um, and what's cool is like, you know, she doesn't have a musical background. So to her, like she's listening it, listening to it purely from a listener's uh, standpoint, which is nice, you know, it's, it's kind of a different perspective. And what I think you would get, you know, when you're just listening to a song in your car, like just somebody in the middle of Iowa or wherever who just hears your song for the first time, like that's what you want to hear as an artist. Like, what is that perspective? So she's great, man. She's so, so great to lean on creatively. And, and uh, I, I'm just really blessed to have her. That's awesome. And now when you went to university, you majored in music. And is that when the dream of being a country artist really began? Like that's when you really started grinding and playing clubs and playing honky tonks and networking and doing what you could to, to start that career, right? Yeah, man. I mean, having that, you know, going to school at Georgia, really one of the main reasons I went there is because Athens had such a thriving music scene and um, not necessarily in country, but, you know, uh, across all genres. I mean, so many great bands like R.E.M., like B-52s had come out of there, you know, in kind of that 90s uh, alt rock phase. And then as like it was time for me to go to school, like you had like Luke Bryan coming through there playing the Georgia Theater and Zach Brown Band and Brantley Gilbert. So there was kind of like this resurgence of like country georgia country artists coming through athens and i was like man this feels like a good town to be i mean i can go obviously get a great education there but there was a lot of clubs and a lot of venues that we could get in there and like build a name for ourselves and um so yeah i mean you know i'd always promised my mom i'd go to college but deep down like i wanted to kind of go straight to nashville but i was like if i gotta go um i want to go somewhere where i can kind of put my uh you know my skills to the test and that was a great man. I don't think I was ready for Nashville. And I think Athens really got me ready uh, through the education. I mean, you know, having like a marketing degree and then the music business degree, like those two things were so useful and still are every day. And, and then being able to get out, you know, after we would play classes, we'd go rehearse in uh, an old studio that the Allman Brothers had recorded in. Uh, we had like a mentor down there named Jim Hawkins and our music business professors, uh, Dave and Tom were like, so supportive that uh they really kind of got behind us and like we're like hey we'll set you up with a rehearsal space like you guys like get in there and rehearse and write songs and record music and um and we ended up like having a really good little set that we play and we'd go tour around at these clubs in athens and we'd go to charlotte and greenville and wherever and like we build a fan base and uh it was great man like that really college was the launching point for me for sure and pretty quick after moving to Nashville, you signed with Black River Publishing. Now, how important was that moment in sort of giving you confidence that this was going to work and not having to go and sort of work and work and work and, and not know what the future would hold, but sort of having that one pillar of stability with the publishing group moving forward? Oh, man. Yeah, it was a huge confidence boost because, you know, I'd always heard like Nashville, it's crazy competitive. And when I got here, like I started playing rider rounds and going out and playing shows. And I was like, man, there is so much talent here. Like, I don't know if I'm good enough to to be here. And um, it was a huge confidence boost. And it like kind of threw me right into the fire. Like I immediately had to kind of start you know, writing with, you know, these hit songwriters and uh, doing shows with these artists who were on the radio. And I was like, gosh, like, I've got to really step up my game and figure out what I want to say as an artist and how I want to say it quickly. 
And um, it was nice, man. Like I, I feel like those first two or three years being here in Nashville, like um, definitely, uh, you know, I, I felt like I, I improved a lot as a songwriter and kind of found my voice as an artist. And it was a uh, yeah, it was really cool, man. But you know, I, it was kind of like, man, you get here and you sign a record deal like within the first year, like this is going to be easy, man. Like we can do this. Let's go to radio. Let's get that number one. Yeah, but. What I didn't know, like in hindsight, it's like that's really just when the work started. Like that was the beginning and uh, it's still a grind, but man, it's, yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> and we see the plaque behind you there, the number one. Uh, you got your number number one with Randy Hauser and I went when he went to number one. That was April 2015. Now, what does that mean when you have the artist side and you're fighting to become an artist, but then on the writer's side, you have this number one? How does that sort of balance in getting the number one as a writer, but then how does that sort of help your artist career? It's, I mean, it's such a huge honor, man. Anytime you have an artist who believes enough in a song you write, like in a, whether you're a songwriter and purely a songwriter, or if you're an artist writer, you know, like me, I think it's, it's always an honor and it's always, um, it's always like a sign of credibility when someone takes a leap of faith on a song you've written. So like for Randy to uh, to hear that song first, like when we wrote that song, I knew it wasn't something that I, you know, wanted to put out. I just didn't feel like something I, I would uh, release. It had like this different vibe to it. It was really cool and we loved it. But um, our first thought was like, man, this sounds like something Randy Hauser would would absolutely crush. And um, by some miracle, our team got it to him and he heard it. And I mean, to take a leap of faith on like three young writers who had not had a hit yet and uh, and put that out on the radio was massive and so yeah i mean it was it was a big confidence boost as a songwriter and definitely gives you credibility in that world but also as an artist because you know everybody's always looking everybody's always kind of watching to see you know who's having success and who's uh you know kind of finding their groove and to me that was like okay that gave us the credibility we need to go right with like you know some hit songwriters and feel like we belong in that room you know so it was more for me you know than anything else um, but, you know, on the artist side, too, I mean, it, you know, it was really cool because when you have these relationships with other artists, when, you know, they they know you can write songs and that you've had success that way, it, it kind of like puts you in that club of like, OK, like this guy's an artist writer. And I kind of like look at around me at artists who have done that well, like, you know, Thomas Rhett and FGL and um, I mean, Sam Hunt, like there's so many artist writers in this town that don't necessarily always write just for themselves. And when you're writing hundreds of songs, you know, it's like impossible to release every one of those songs. And sometimes they just kind of have a voice of their own and find their own home. And um, that's what happened when we went and, and the Hootie song and so yep. many others. And it, it's been such a, it's been really cool, man, to kind of see that happen because I, I never really planned for that to happen, you know? And you talk about the Hootie and the Blowfish song. Now I read that, they were maybe one of your first concerts around the age of seven that you yeah. went to see. And so what is that experience like in having that memory and then being able to have a song that they cut? Oh man, just stupid full circle. Like you can't even like make a story up like that. Like it, it sounds like, uh, yeah, it's, it's like a movie. It, it really is. My mom took me to see Hooting the Blowfish in Greenville when I was just a kid. And um, I remember, uh, you know, I remember it so specifically, the concert. And so to think that years later, you'd be in a writing room with that band, like writing, you know, for their album. It's just, it's just crazy to think that. But when it happened, like I was, you know, I was driving into town, it was very last minute, like my publisher called me and they're like, hey, 
Hooting the Blowfish is in town today and they want to write with you. And I was like, at first kind of thought it was maybe a joke. Because number one, they hadn't put any music out in years. Number two, I didn't know they were going to be putting out a country record. And number three, why are they, why do they want to write with me? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so it was, it was mind blowing, but I had like 30 minutes to get there. And I came in with this little idea and had some great co-writers with me that like kind of helped form it into something and it was something that they liked and put out in their record it was the first song they put out in like 15 years so it was like it was insane man and they were such nice guys like it's it's always great you know they always tell you not to meet your heroes because you might be disappointed so when you yeah. meet them and they're even nicer than you could have ever imagined it's like a huge it's it's such an awesome thing you know <laughs> that's awesome and when it comes to your music Let's talk about that journey a bit. So March of 2015, you release On Your Lips, an EP. And then there was about six or seven singles coming into 2019. And now 2019, you released the first single that would be off of your album that you released this year. And so that single that you released, was that leading up to the album? Was it already sort of ready to go at that point? Or was that a single and then the album kind of formed in 2020 as you had the time to do it? Yeah, I mean, you know, we I'd always had in the back of my mind, like, you know, I really want to put out a full length album. And for a while there, you know, everything was so singles focused, you know, it was just like, get out music as fast as you can, like, you know, single, single, single. And um, so we were just kind of firing them out. But in the back of my head, like I always had this dream to put out a full length album, you know, just growing up as a lover of songs, a lover of music. Like I know that like that's the to me, like the pinnacle for an artist, like to be able to put out a full length album and just and to have, you know, a message and something that you want to say with that music. So I was always like excited and wanted to do it, but also very leery because like I, I wanted it to make sense. Like when it came out, I didn't want it right. to just be a bunch of songs, you know? Yeah. So um, to me, I was always kind of writing for that album and, and thinking about songs um, that made sense for the album. And I think it really came together uh, in 2020. Like I think during lockdown, like I kind of got an, I, you know, got time to like sit down with these past couple years of work and like start thinking about putting together this body of work. And to me, it was like, man, what do I want to say? And for me, it's like, I wanted to just tell people a little bit about me, like my life. And, you know, my family is such a huge part of my life. Like I wanted them to see that window into my world a little bit. And I started, you know, listening to a couple of these songs we've written. And it was like, man, like this, this is me. Like these songs are me. Like if you organize them in a certain way, like it's almost, it's autobiographical. It's like in order, you know, of, of how the sequence of my life has happened. So we, you know, we ended up writing a few other songs to kind of like complete that whole body of work in 2020. And, uh, and, you know, it was just, it was crazy, man, how it came together. Um, I would say, you know, in 2019, we put out Try Saying Goodbye. I didn't intentionally, you know, put that out thinking like this is going to be part of the record but oh, okay. when we were kind of going through the record there was like this missing gap in there it was like you know we kind of talk about if you start on song one it's like kind of me meeting my wife and like our relationship building and developing and then we get into like the hard part you know and it's like you know i didn't want to skip that i didn't want people to just <laughs> think that like hey it's just all been fun and games because it definitely hasn't i mean there's been hard moments and try saying goodbye was like that song man it was kind of the song that sparked um you know the whole feel for how i wanted these songs to to be which was just honest just very open and honest 
And that's what fans had loved about Try Saying Goodbye. Like it was just, um, it was just an honest song about, you know, relationships and how they can just be hard sometimes. And so I wanted to have that in there and I wanted the other songs, even the happy ones, even the up-tempo ones to have that same honesty. And uh, yeah, man, it, it came together really great. I mean, I'm so proud of that record and, and I'm just proud to have something you can listen to from top down that tells an honest story. I think as an artist, like that's what you hope for. And how did it come together? Because Jason Gant is the only producer that appears twice. Every yeah. song is basically produced by someone different. Now, how did that all work out? Yeah, a lot, of, you know, a lot of that was doing it during COVID. I mean, it, you know, we were kind of in lockdown and I had, I wanted to keep the charm of a lot of these original demos. Cause you know, when we go in and write songs, we'll do little, you know, day of work tapes and demos. And right. so many of these songs, like I was, you know, I'm thinking back to like, um, always going to be you and, and better man. And, uh, even, you know, till it changes your mind, like those songs were taken from the demos that we had written that day. Most of those songs on that record, I sang the same day that we wrote them. Like it was very impulsive and like very, and it had like this charm to it that I didn't want to lose, you know, like it felt right. raw. Um, so we really just ended up taking those demos and adding elements to them to make them feel like a record and to make them, you know, um, quality. And so it was, it was really cool. I, I don't think we would have done it any different, even if we weren't in lockdown, but it ended up being that way to where there was multiple producers and, you know, so many great songwriters on that record and multiple musicians. And, uh, it, it really did work out though, man. It, it's, it's not the conventional way to do a, a record, but yeah. it, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask if there is any anxiety tied to that because your vocals maybe are a bit more raw than they normally would be going into a studio and taking as many takes as you want to sort of get it perfect. So what was that like for you in releasing that? Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I wanted that album to be vulnerable, man. I wanted it to be vulnerable, you know, in the songwriting and the lyrics and in the performances even. And I mean, you know, uh, I was, you know, looking back, there was a couple little things that, yeah, if you would have had a hundred takes in the studio, you probably wouldn't have left that in there, but it was like, you know what, like that's, that's what I'm doing. Like, that's what I want. I want that to feel real. And I mean, I think better, man, the last song on the record is like probably one of my favorites because it's so raw. Like you can hear, you know, little breaks in my voice or you can hear, you know, like certain little things with the instrumentation. And, and to me, like, I love that as a song, as a song lover, as a, you know, as someone who grew up just loving good music, I always have appreciated that. I don't think everything always has to be absolutely perfect. Sometimes I think when you make things so perfect, it kind of takes the, you know, the honesty out of it. Right. And how weird of a feeling is it arriving in town back in like around 2011, 2012, you have had some EPs, but this is really considered your debut album. And so how weird is that <laughs> to have this like long journey and be at this point in your career and have it be considered your debut? Man, it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it, it took longer than I would have ever thought to get a, to get a full length record out there. But I, you know, I just kind of attributed it to like, I guess I had more living to do, you know, to be able to fill in the blanks for that album. And, and that's okay. I mean, to me, it's uh, you know, I think that everybody has their own path. You know, mine's been different than I, I would have ever foreseen. And, um, but at the same time, rewarding and, you know, I wouldn't change a bit of it, the good and the bad. So it's, um, I'm glad that we finally got to it, man. And, and that the songs were there and, and that people are loving it because that's, you know, that's what we came to town to do. That's awesome. And 
I wanted to ask you about your faith. It's maybe not always easy to sort of project that because of what comes along with it and what fans might take from it. And so I wanted to ask you just how important your faith is and living that freely. Oh, man. I mean, to me, you know, that was really my whole purpose of doing this. I mean, I thought, you know, you know, going into any other career, you know, uh, in any career, you know, kind of the way I was raised, if you're going to be there, you need to shine a light. And that's kind of how I try to approach, you know, every day, uh, every show that we're playing. If you're just kind to people and you shine that light, man, to it doesn't matter if it's the bouncer, if it's the you know person who's the gate attendant, or if it's you know Jason Aldean or Blake Shelton when you're opening shows for them. If you can show that same love and and pass it on, I mean, I think that's not only being a good Christian, just being a good person, you know. And uh, and to me, that's that's something I really try to do. And my faith has helped me with that tremendously. And looking at this more not only as a career but as a you know a witness field as a you know as something bigger and i think it makes you appreciate uh it makes you appreciate what you do a lot more when you look at it with that uh perspective and to think too you know that you're always you know when you're at this stage and you're in this career you're always you know kind of under a scope and you have to you know if you can be a positive role model be of good influence for people i think that's something that's really needed in this day and age and um and i hope that you know, it has a positive impact on people, but I've never been, you know, one to really be afraid, you know, to say, you know, to say that, and I, you know, yeah, there are times where maybe, you know, that could, you know, offend somebody or I hope it doesn't, but I also think people appreciate honesty and they appreciate uh, passion. And to me, that's, that's what I really try to, you know, put off the vibe. I try to put it off and it's real. I mean, I've, my faith has got me through so many tough situations and dark moments that uh, I just wouldn't have been able to make it through without. And there's a Bible, I believe, that your grandma got you at some point along your journey. How important oh. is that item for you? <laughs> the most important, man. That's one of those items that will be in my safe, you know, forever and passed down for generations. Um, I love to go through there and see her notes, you know, and kind of what she was, scriptures that she was loving and, and th you know, thoughts and prayers that she was having on a daily. And, you know, my grandma was just one of the sweetest ladies, Pop's wife. It was Pop's wife. And she passed when I was, uh, you know, when I was 11 or 12. And oh, okay. uh, it's just always left a huge, uh, just a huge mark on my heart and, and try how I try to live my life. She was just so sweet, so kind to everybody, you know, and it didn't matter. And I just think that's that's the ultimate message. I mean, when you break it down, it's pretty simple. Just love each other. I mean, that's it, you know? And to me, like, if you can just take that and apply it to your everyday life, I think that's, that's the most important thing. That's awesome. And it seems to me that at this point in your life that you are able to sort of live your best life. You have your wife, you have your daughter, you have your music, and it seems like things are really on a great path for you. Oh man, it's uh, I'm absolutely blessed, and and wouldn't change a thing in this world. I mean, to me, uh, you know, like we talked about having that time to kind of reconnect with family has been huge for me. And uh, you go so hard, you know, when you're chasing whatever dream it is. And uh, if you can take a minute to just take a breath and realize the most important things in life, like that, to me has been huge. And uh, yeah, it's right now. I feel like we're in a sweet spot to where it's like I, I'm doing what I love putting out music that I love and surrounded by the people I love, you know. Thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to John for stopping by and sharing his story. Be sure to check out his new album, Always Gonna Be, wherever you stream your music. 
Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. And more importantly, join us each and every week for new and exciting episodes with your favorite country artists. Thank you so much once again for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Mm -hmm.